You Last were... night, we put our cats out in the dining room in the kitchen. They've got the cat flap down the bottom of the stairs. They can come and go as they please. Mm. But in, at night time, they can get as far as the dining room, but no further. Right. And it's perfectly comfortable for them. They've got beds in there. Their food's in there. Their water. They're loving it. Right. They love it. In the summer, they get confused because it's still so warm that they think, why are they shutting, why are they shut us out now? Mm. And what one of them does is just gets on with his life. The other one goes up onto the wall outside the bedroom window, where, of course, the window's open because it's hot, and never shuts up. And you can't <laughs> stop him. You cannot stop him. And he does that every other night in the summer. So I've got a neighbour like you. Someone's going to... I'd be round. The beautiful thing about that, Kate, is that every single one of my neighbours has got a cat of their own. Oh, so they fine. can't say anything. So it's like a cat a chorus, gang. is it? Yeah. They're, like, they're a little gang, yeah. So like Top Cat and his gang. A couple of, Are they like knocking about yeah. running their own little cons? They've got waistcoats on. That's but a shame. The, one of the things really <laughs> fascinating about it is that they are friends with each other sometimes, or sometimes they have like proper rows. I think mm. that's a bit like the ramble, isn't it? Yeah. I, I think, think it's so. a bit like human apart relationships. The friends, apart from the friends bit. <laughs> Don't break my heart. Let's say hello to our uh, our favourite Ramble listeners on the yeah. Patreon. Hi, patrons. Hello. It's me, it's Jim, and it's Luke Moore in your ears today to bring you some extra Ramble goodness now that we've heard all of Luke Moore's best anecdotes. The question is, what are we going to talk about after that? They weren't my best ones. Oh, right. They're probably more like the, the decent enough ones, but not all the best ones. I'm going to say hello to Yogi Loves Fingers, Swarnham, Vitinia is the future, Mason, um, not you, another Mason, Tom and Paddy Aww. and DJ Chubby Bubble because they're, they're the first few people I saw on the Discord who are definitely 100% Patreon subscribers thank you very much to you to build on what Kate just said yeah. oh, you're our favourites much appreciated favourite guys and you could get onto that illustrious list if yeah. what if you just like support us loads but they're already on yeah. I know but yeah. there might be people if, if there's people yeah but if there's people listening out there how could they be on the list of like Luke Moore's favourite. True, actually. Would you want to be on that? It's a little bit like yeah. Lawrence Fox, apparently, on his Patreon. Yeah. You can pay run money with the fox. to have... Is it? That's what he says. You run with the fox. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. He can, you can pay money to have dinner with him once a year. Imagine. I'd pay... Imagine. I'd We're pay, not going to offer that, are we? Are we? I would say... Do you know what? I'm happy to go on record quid here. a month? I would pay £100 of my own money if the universe could guarantee I would never be in the same room as Lawrence Fox. Mm. Mm. I think that would be a fair price to pay. On I a like recurring thing. Probably, I'll, probably, I'll probably claim it. But yeah, I'd pay it. Yeah, I like to think somewhere there's a there's a character called Lawrence Dog, who's just like really progressive and just oh his mum his mum is Lawrence Cat and his dad's Lawrence Dog right and they had sex and that's got Lawrence Fox that's is how that foxes where foxes are made, are made yeah, from that's just science. Yeah. is that just so stories it's just science just yeah. so stories Luke Moore love it what are we um, talking about today Kato um the plan is in so much as there is a plan Luke and Jim. Um, is to just chat about good European moments, the best ones. Yeah, and I think the reason for that is to give um, give people a bit of an insight is because you hear the show every day, It's quite um, it has to have a structure to it for obvious reasons. You get behind the curtain a little bit, you see how the sausage is made. I think we owe it to our subscribers to just give them a little bit of more relaxed f- flavour. This is what we're like when there's no real structure, but still very good broadcasters. Some of us are, you know, mm. great broadcasters, you know. <laughs> At the very least, we're very good, um, but we won't be quite as structured about it. We'll talk about our favourite Euros moments in the week leading up to the big kickoff. Yes, let's talk about them. Where are we going to start? Mm. 
Um, I well, I don't mind. I quite enjoyed doing the co-presenting bit there. It's a bit yeah, like when, yeah. I made, when I made Jules do talk sport with me, so I didn't have to do all the hard bits. When we did it with Brussels, <laughs> he just like dived in at the end because we wanted to go. He was like, and that's it for us. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you've run out of patience with Andy Brussels, you know you've gone too far. I know, it's a bit yeah. of a worry, isn't it? Do you know what? I'll, I'll kick off if you like, because yeah. I had a VHS video that you got from um, Smith's Crisps. Mm. So you literally got the crisp packet that mm. um, you get in, I'd get in my lunchbox for school. And you'd cut off the, it was like a little voucher, and you would stick it to a piece of cardboard, mm. put it in a, in a self-addressed envelope, and send it in. And what they sent back was this VHS video called The Greatest Moments in World Soccer, right? Wow. And it was amazing. because, And you can still find a little bit of it on YouTube. So it had Smith's Crisps adverts between the sections on the VHS, right? So you can find okay. Monster Munch adverts on it. You can find... Um, one or two others. I can't really, I want to say salt and shake, but it might not be that. But anyway, you can definitely hear Monster Munch adverts in between each section. And what it did is it had, it might as well have also been Jim Rosenthal doing the voiceover <laughs> with some amazing music beds, mm. obviously rights-free, like, like royalty-free music over the greatest moments of world soccer. Yeah. And this is a very, this is a very, and crisps. I know, right? Uh, nothing's changed Perfect. in my life. <laughs> um, we, and, and this is a very long run up to basically tell you that the thing that I saw as a kid yeah. that absolutely blew my mind, it was the first time I'd ever seen it in real life, uh, actually on, well, on, on screen. I'd only ever heard of it. My uncle, who was big influence on me in terms of being a football fan and some of my other family members and friends, was the goal that Marco van Basten scored in Euro 88 in the final. And um, for those who haven't seen it, um, ball is raked across. I want to say... One of the De Boers made the pass, but I'm not sure on that. The ball is raked across from deep on the left-hand side of midfield, and it goes right over to the probably about five, six, seven, eight yards past the far post where Marco van Basten is there. And he absolutely leathers a volley into the far corner at an impossible yeah, angle. From an angle you really got to be thinking about crossing from. <laughs> yeah, take a touch. Else. There's no yeah. one around you. <laughs> yeah. Take a touch. And he scores. Anyway, he's one of the greatest goals ever. I could be convinced, my good friend Mark Dunford, who's been instrumental in helping the Ramble grow to where it is today, um, he would always say, he was a year older than me and much cooler than me at school, and he always said it was the best goal that's ever been scored and no one would ever come near it just because of the technique. Because it's not... And right. I f- forgive me if you've all seen it, but do go back and watch it because it's not just a cushioned, controlled volley on the side foot into the corner which kind of loops over the keeper. It's basically like someone throws a ball really high up in the air and you're in that position and you just smash it on the volley as hard as you can. Nice. And knowing that 990 times out of 1,000, if you're not Marco Van Basten it's going to go miles away or you might not even connect with it. Yeah. It is the perfect strike of a football on the volley you will ever see. And that is my first ever real Euros memory, mm. not really appreciating what the Euros was all about at that point because mm. when it happened, I was about seven. And when I finally saw it, I think I was about 10. But that, that was it's incredible to, 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 to witness. And something that like I think younger people perhaps don't realise is what you actually fall in love with when you fall in football is you fall in love with the moments. Yes. Like the moments that happen, the Gascoigne's in Euro 96 over, over Colin Hendry's head and the dentist chair, the, the Van Basten volley. For older people, the Penenka yeah. penalty. They're the moments that really push the narrative of football forward and, and, and really 
enhanced the popularity of it. And, and that's one for me. And that, because the 88 was the first time the Dutch have won, the, went on to win they, the That's Euros. why they won anything, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, but in a sense, you know, you're turning that whole story and that's not what it's about. It doesn't matter. They were already 1-0 up, I think, when that goal was scored. Right, I didn't, I didn't know anything yeah, about it, really. Yeah, because you're just like, this is the moment. It, yeah. it, the, the, actually, mm. the outcome, you know, we, obviously the narrative as, as England fans and all this other stuff is the main thing that, that feeds into it. But yeah, like with the Gaza, um, amazing Gaza goal, that was against Scotland. I mean, it, again, the game, take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. Well, me, you watch that goal again. You say that, but England had gone 1-0 up and then they give away a penalty. Mm. And then you're thinking, oh God, this could actually be a disaster if, if Scotland score now. Yes. Then obviously Yuri Geller moves the ball with his mind off the very penalty generously. spot. Very generously. As he actually Very claimed. generously, yeah. Do it more often for us. Yeah, exactly. But I mean more like Weirdo. how it sticks in your mind. Yeah. It feels like a moment of joy and it's kind of separate yeah. from everything else. But it was in, in the actual game though, it, th- that moment came very, very shortly after a moment of fear where mm-hmm. it's like, oh God, we're going to concede a penalty oh, okay. here and this so becomes a draw. Say... But David Seaman saves it, obviously. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then very quickly after that, Gaza scores. So it, it, you've got that roller coaster, and I think that, that, that implants the memory even further. Yeah, okay. What's, right. your, what's your big moment, Jim? Big moment from the, from the Euros ever. Well, obviously that one yeah. really, really sticks out. On the... On the sad side of it, from that tournament, more so than Gareth Southgate missing the penalty, yeah. is Gaza just not being yeah. able to connect to that chance in extra time against Germany. That yes. was quite high on my list as well. Yeah. The, the amazing thing about Euro 96 and the coverage of it as well was that if you got, and it's on YouTube, and I think I may have mentioned this to, uh, to our friends on, on the Patreon before, so forgive me, but is that if you go back and watch the coverage of the England Germany game mm. for about seven or eight minutes, which, as you know well, everyone in this studio knows well, is a lifetime in broadcasting terms. They just pan the camera back and forward over the crowd at yeah. Wembley. They don't say anything. They just, you just, and you are just there, just picking out people in the crowd, seeing what they're doing. That Desmond Des Lynham does the old. I, 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 I bet you've heard there's a football match on today, kind of thing. Really yeah. kind of downplays it in the intro, and it's and it's and the reason it's I think is interesting. So I'm a bit of a media nerd, I guess. Is that not only because it's you know fascinating thing to watch, it's a real kind of um, snapshot of life. In, in, in the summer of 1996, a completely different world to the one we live in now, but also because it's so different to how football is broadcast these days. So mm. when MTV comes in, in the late 90s, everything happens really quickly. They're cutting all the time, they're doing weird camera angles, and it kind of really influences TV in a way that I would say only... I actually think September 11 really influenced the way TV coverage changed uh, in 2001 for lots of different reasons. But I think MTV was a big part of it. And now there's an understanding, particularly been enhanced by social media, I think, that people just don't have an attention span. Now, I don't mm. personally agree with that, but I think that's what people think. So as a result, you are always being given stuff that um, piques your attention, whether it will be a, a quick replay of something quite inconsequential in a game. You know, the, the amount of times if you think about it, they cut to just, it's a throw-in, and they cut to Kieran Trippier in slow motion to rubbing his head or something. Yeah. Because they always want to keep your attention. Back then, it wasn't like that. They were happy just to broadcast one camera panning back and forward along a stadium. Of, uh, and, and it was fine. No one really knew any different. So for me, that really sticks out as well. But ultimately, you're right. The Gascoigne miss, the timing of that is so fractional. I think it's one of, with the exception of maybe someone hitting the inside of the post and it going along the line and not going in, which you don't really see very much anymore. Mm. Or the World Cup 2010, Lampard over the line but not given. You don't see fractions so obvious in football. No. How, how obviously it can be yeah. so close to being something completely different. And I think that's why it sticks in your mind. That's a really interesting point because I think a lot of the ones that I 
I mean, penalty shootouts, any kind of penalty setup, I feel like the pageantry of that, I always really enjoy is an odd word, particularly given what we're talking about. And Andres Muller, like, scoring that and then doing the bloody celebration, oh, yeah. Yeah. if you remember. Um, so German. It was just, it mo- was, it was just yeah. mocking. It summed it up. It was just big old it, bit of mockery. Cemented yeah. him in particular, but also Germany as a national team as just villains for me. Yeah. But how could they be taken? Because you're in such pain. Yes. You're a little kid at home in such pain and he's taking the piss out of your pain. Yeah. Do you remember when um, England won the Ashes in 2005 and um, there's an amazing test. I think it might have been the third test. I'm not a cricket expert, so forgive me if that's wrong. And um, Australia held out for ages and ages and ages. And England win. Flintoff takes the last wicket right, right near the death. And the first thing he does is he goes over to Brett Lee and kind of puts his arm around him because he's like on the floor. Mm. And everyone's celebrating about Flintoff's got his arm around him. And he asked about it afterwards. He said, oh, that was like an instinctive thing to do. I felt really sorry for him. Is it fair to say Andreas Moller didn't subscribe to that? No, kind of yeah, it he, came from he, a different school. He, <laughs> he, mo- he mocked Stuart Pierce's celebration of, of burying the penalty, didn't he? Yes. So, you it. know, Pierce has got his redemption moment in the penalty shootout against Spain where, you know, he, he's obviously missed in 90. And then Moller, after putting England out on penalties, Takes mocks that. I mean, like it's one of the, the all-time Gaza, most villainous well? moments. He was mocking everyone. He was oh, mocking all gosh. of us. Oh no! I think yeah. I always wonder about that, like cuddling up some opposition after they've just been after you just defeated them. I don't know how comforted I would be by Freddie Flintoff in that situation. I feel duty bound to say that Andres Moller was a fucking brilliant player. Oh, without a doubt. Obviously, that Dortmund side that won the Champions League. We're not trying to undermine any of his contributions to football. We're just saying... I'd he, like him to have been less of a bell in that He moment. took yes. the piss out of us as yeah. children, and that's not very kind. Yeah. I, th- I think there's a natural... I know, I know the point you're making about is it is it is it a, a show of, of basically obnoxiously showing how magnanimous you are? No, mm. actually, no. I wasn't saying that's what Flintoff is doing. I'm just saying if it was you, if you were on the floor in that situation and someone's effectively getting their face quite close to you be it in sympathy or in mockery. Mm. I mean, obviously it's better than mockery, but in a sense it is a tiny bit mocking. I'm speaking from a position of someone who's taken the piss out of Stuart Pearce and regretted it in front of him. Uh, oh, God. I once did a show, I was on Wembley, I was on Wembley <laughs> Way for an England game, presenting from Wembley Way as the OB broadcast, and um, we had guests coming in. And um, loads of them came in, like Henry Winter came in and, and um, a load of other journalists and footballers. It was for an England qualifier. And Trevor Sinclair and Stuart Pearce came in together. So they came in in the ad break and we're micing them up, getting ready. And we're going to ask them about the England game. And um, I, I, I didn't know. It was one of those ones where you kind of broadcast it from the seat of your pants because you don't know who's coming in and when. Mm. And so you just, in the ad break, I had like three minutes to think of an intro for Tre- Stuart Pearce and Trevor Sinclair. So I said something like, and I'm absolutely delighted to be joined today by two ex-England players with 85 caps between them. Of course, Trevor Sinclair's got about seven. Stuart Pierce did not take it well. He, like, he like, interrupted the intro and went, hang on a minute, I've got about 75 of those, haven't I? And I was like, oh God. And he kept looking at me. I was, I was probably reading too much into it because of his reputation. I've yeah. heard he's a lovely fella, but it was, um, I, I think Andres Moll is probably a brave man. Yeah, that's the sort um, of thing that you always call lovely fellas, isn't it? Yeah. They always get nicknames like that. Are you speaking about me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it might be. Uh, yeah, it's interesting that you pick out a, a miserable moment as your sort of highlight. Yeah, well, I think the Gaza goal had been had been had been taken at that point. But actually, personally, for me, it's got to be when England beat the Dutch four-one oh, uh, yeah. in that same tournament. That happened on my birthday, that which was is so obviously pretty sweet. Oh, wicked, 14, uh, it? Yeah, I would have been. Uh, yeah, so fourteen. It, yeah, huh. so it was. 
Just unbelievable because, you know, we touched on this on, on a podcast recently, but you felt like England could beat anyone. Yeah. Because they, they were a good team, the Dutch. You know, it's like it, we're all hoping that, you know, you know England can, can beat a kind of high-profile nation in a knockout game instead of a group we game. Aren't, are you saying so now much. we are? Now, as well. yeah. yeah. Well, that's yeah, what yeah. everyone wants going yeah, into a tournament, yeah, yeah. isn't it? You want to see your team turn it on against the best and win. Mm. And that's what and it felt like. And then use that to build on. Exactly. That this is the <laughs> new, like, you know, this is the new status of England. They're going to win games like this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, it's, it's very easy to sort of like get stuck on Euro 96, isn't it? But I think like, looking at our, our, our brothers in, in Wales as well, our brothers and sisters over in Wales, like in, in Euro 2016, them getting to the semi-finals, you couldn't, say that couldn't well, help actually. but yeah. just be so, so pleased for them. You're and absolutely right. And it, from an England perspective as well, I felt like, well, you know, we beat them in the group. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> Jamie, Jamie Vardy fucked him over. So, so. Didn't so. Daniel Sturridge get a goal in that game? That sounds about right. Oh God, that seems a long time it ago. Does, doesn't it? It seems just... far longer th- ago than it is. Yeah, I but thought you... Daniel Sturridge scored the late winner in that. But we need Marcus here. I think he did. Yeah, I, th- I think Vardy got a Check goal. Check it, didn't but I'm not? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was kind of a wicked. I mean, in a sense, it almost felt like because obviously after Iceland. It was so bloody miserable. And then I don't know about you, maybe this is like sacrilege to say, but with Wales, you don't really feel like, it's not Scotland, is it? You don't really, it didn't feel that bad to sort of move your enthusiasm. Oh, I'd enthusiasm. be Scotland as well, but obviously. That, yeah, me too. And I probably would just, just support whoever is a home nation and is doing well. Yeah, absolutely. But it, it feels... But there was a sense with Wales that they were just, and they've even said this themselves, it was like a big lads holiday where they were all just having a brilliant time, couldn't believe yeah. it. They just clicked. They gelled as a group of people and as a group of players. The players just playing above their kind of ability because the team functioned so well. And it's just, just a wonderful thing to watch. That's what every international team needs, isn't it? Especially if you're an underdog. You know? Yeah. You've you got to have that, that gel. Their, their big thing, I mean, them beating Belgium handily, that was, was amazing. Mad, it was amazing. Was that the Howells and Carney one? Wait, was that 3 1 that Belgium They won 3 1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think he scored the, maybe he just scored the third. But it was, it, it, it was, was an incredible. Like, it's one of those things where it only can happen in a tournament. Whereas, yeah. like, if, if Wales beat Belgium 3 1, I would even go as far as to say if Wales beat Belgium 3 1 in Belgium in a qualifier, right? It's of note. We'd probably talk about it, but you're not going to remember it forever. No. And a tournament, that's the thing. That's why Gareth Southgate's done such a good job. And Marcus said this on Lions Watch a week or two ago. He said to the players at World Cup 2018, you're all going to go and achieve things, I'm sure, and you're all going to have amazing moments, but it's never going to be like this exactly again, right? Mm. So embrace it. And I'm sure he's saying the same for this summer as well. These things exist in microcosm. They're almost like an anachronistic like throwback to classic football era, like the yeah. football era that always seemed to happen just beyond your reach before you're old enough to remember it. Tournaments have been aesthetic uh, mini changes aside, unchanged really in their in their whole point f- forever. And so you, it's a really important thing to protect. And I think those kind of things that that um, that Wales that kind of thing that Wales were able to do against Belgium. Whatever those players achieve in their club, they're going to be loved in Wales forever for that. But like, mm. no one's going to take that away from them, you know. And that's why it's so powerful I think because I, I kind of go through two modes when, when we're doing this job and we cover a tournament you have the mode where England are in it and the mode where England go out of it yeah. and you well, we won't be... need that second mode this time well for... <laughs> oh, England are in it <laughs> they've qualified yeah I, mean, <laughs> I get the but, point thank I, you I'm just trying to subvert it Kate. thank yeah. you no don't yeah, you um, dare but, but I th- I, do, you not, do you not agree Jim like, so when you've got oh, it's, it feels a like a different thing doesn't without it without a doubt and so I, I just really hope that England get moments and they claim and they kind of seize them and claim yeah. them because what for example not just Wales get into the semi but Iceland get, Iceland get into the quarterfinal yeah. yeah, we love forever and yeah, and, yeah. And it's quite painful to think back 
to it, isn't it? Because you even, <laughs> even in your memories, it's like England's bit the rest of the tournament and almost the rest of the tournament is hard to remember in, it, yes, in a sense. It, yeah, doesn't, yeah, yeah. it doesn't immediately come to mind in the same way. Except with say, this one though, with Wales, I feel yeah, like, because course. we then had that, yeah. But I do think as well, I, um, we forget the moths. Like the moths oh, was yeah. one of the strangest things that has ever happened in football. <laughs> do you, you look like you don't remember, Kate. There was a, essentially a plague of moths on the final because the floodlights had been <laughs> left on overnight or something and yeah. there were thousands of them. <laughs> Like on the players what while they were playing, it was so, so strange. Weird. They would have beaten England. <laughs> the yeah, moth, the moth. Yeah, but and, and to go to go. And this is a slightly different because of the World Cup thing and, and not not a Euros thing. The fact that Kieran Trippier scored a goal for England in a semi final against Croatia, I always remember him for that now. Yeah, because he didn't take Spurs long enough. We watched that in the studio, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Because did exactly, he? we watched it right in here. But he he he's oh, not been guys. at Spurs long enough to, to be really synonymous with Spurs. Before that, he wasn't as high profile, and now he's at Atletico Madrid, and we don't see him as much because we don't. I don't mm. watch that that much Spanish football. So he is synonymous with England now, and no one's going to take that away from him. For me, obviously, that was just Spurs World yeah. Cup, and he had a brilliant, yeah, it was. brilliant tournament as well. It was like yeah. the West Ham thing when we yeah. won it. So, so the Euros can be an amazing thing. And I think one of the things that was protected about it before when it was 16 teams is it was consistently a much better quality tournament in the World Cup. Mm. Mm. Now it's got a little bit more expansive. It's pros and cons because it has become a little bit less... I mean, the quality's come off a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you, but you've got more opportunities for smaller nations yeah, to do you, to do more stuff. You do look at some of the fixtures and you're like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not so enthused about watching that one. And maybe as, you, as much as you would have been in the past. Philistine. But yeah, um, I do. I, you know, I feel like the the standard of football in Europe is quite high, though. Oh yeah. So I really, um, it, even even when you know when you go get beyond the big big names. Yeah. And so we're, I'm we're hoping talking today that, about you know like Hungary potentially going through yeah. in that mad group. Like yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have a lot of fun moments. And uh, you're right, Trippi is a case in point as well because the, the performances stand out as well like Ashley Cole having um, Cristiano Ronaldo in his pocket yes he um, did is, is, a, <laughs> is, a, is a really really strong memory problem yeah. is their other players did better yeah their other players kind did. Of did enough didn't yeah. they so yeah <laughs> so that's a bit of a, that's a very much a kind of uh, small kind of um, compensation really but I, I think about this a lot so that game in particular <laughs> let's say as, a, as an example I feel like I lived every kick of that yeah, okay. In a way that you only really get in with your clubs in sort of like late stages of cups and things like that, yeah. or like if it's if it's a really really important game, and even then it doesn't quite feel as intense as international football. Yeah, you are so glued to Focus. it; it's almost like you've played the game by yeah. the end of it, and time just stretches out and slows down. Especially if a game goes to extra time, you feel like you've been watching it for days because it's you're exhausting. going through it. It's exhausting, it's exhausting, and, and you know that the rest of the country is watching it as well, which makes mm. it better. I mean, if you support Portsmouth like I do, you don't really get any of those moments. I mean. Bar the other exception, you get a playoff final here or there, or you'll um, you know, win a cup, you know, as, as Portsmouth were able to do. But it never, for me, it never touches the excitement of watching England in a tournament. Now, I know Andy, who's similar age to me, completely disagrees. He said he'd rather you know, Wimbledon do this, that, and the other, because that's kind of how he sees mm. it. I don't know if that's because um, he's always been geographically pretty close to Wimbledon. Mm. And I've left Portsmouth a long time ago, so maybe I don't feel quite the affinity I did in the past. But I've always been big on England. I'm just from the generation where like, England was the main thing. You could win, you know, for me, back in the day, you could win the Champions League in 99 with May United. If you got called up for England and played in the World Cup, well, it wasn't the World Cup, yeah, but if you played in the World Cup, for me, that's bigger because international football yeah. is, the, is the absolute apex. Now, Obviously, I'm not King Canoe. I understand that like, I can't hold back the tide and things have changed since then, but I still have that sensibility in me. And as a result, the international tournament that England are part of is the apex of my football experience. Mm. 
Can I just say, apparently King Canute was doing that to demonstrate that you couldn't hold back the tide. It's and been... he has been wronged by both history and Depeche Mode in one of their videos. It's ironic <laughs> the way these things happen. Hard to know which one's more important. Yeah. <laughs> one, the only other difficult thing, obviously, about the 24 is it makes it more difficult to plot England's route to the final and exact, the exact way that they're going to win all of their games, which... Uh, Luke told me that we can we can now do that's the next part of the Patreon isn't it so uh, I'm going to no. just take you through all of my predictions for all of the games that I England... just don't want our listeners to be bored alright <laughs> well just if win, you want win that win all the games and it's not a problem right? if, you wa- yeah. if you want that best Patreon friends write in uh, but sadly apparently we're going to have to go now because we're not doing that the big moment this summer will be hungry getting out of that group yeah right the same uh, way Costa Rica got out I look forward group. to it but we specifically don't want that to happen because what we want to happen is to end up playing Germany and then to beat them. Yeah. So that's them. That's one that features in the yeah, list. I'm, I'm brave about that now, but I think yeah. on the eve of that game, I might feel a little bit differently. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sadly, to deprive you of, of the rest of that list. But anyway, yeah, we'll catch we, you next time. Life. Thank you so much for being with us, Patreons. We love you. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the ACAST Creative Network.